Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts today. There's another host that is joining me, Daniel Sun. Yo, what's up, guys? Now, real quick, before we start today's episode, I just want to say that if you would like to support the show, then there's a few ways that you could do that. One of the ways is Patreon. Each week, we release a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up, it's only $5 a month. Not only do you get an extra episode per week for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog of past Patreon episodes. In total, we have over 114 extra Patreon episodes, which is a lot of extra hours for your listening pleasure. So to see this full list of Patreon episodes, go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click on the Patreon Episodes tab. There, you will see an entire list of past Patreon-exclusive episodes that we have published. Also, today we added another Patreon-exclusive episode, which is over Pralajani, who is the monk who didn't eat or drink anything for 70 years. So you get access to that episode, as well as all of the others, for just $5. Now, if you can't afford a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on Spotify or on iTunes, and that helps us out a lot. However, don't feel pressured to leave us one. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoots, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. And that is the end of the announcements. Actually, I have one more. This episode is the last one of Season 4. So if you begin to miss us, you can always find us on Patreon if you want to, no pressure. So today's episode is over the end of the world. So how today's episode will go is we'll talk a little bit about the history of what ancient civilizations believed when it came to the end of the world, and then we'll go into some failed predictions that have happened throughout history of people saying, hey, the world's going to end, and it obviously didn't. And then we're going to go into uh, some strange facts and findings, and then after that, we will roll into the main part of today's episode, which is our theories section where we go over different scenarios that could possibly happen that would cause the world to end. So with that being said, are you ready to get into today's episode, Dan? Hell yeah. All right, well, let's get into it. In 1973, MIT researchers developed a computer program called World One. This program gathered certain data around the world and used it to calculate what the future would look like for the human race. Its results were shocking. The computer predicted that in the year 2020, the standard of living would decrease dramatically. And by the year 2040, civilization would completely collapse. As shocking as this is, these apocalyptic claims are nothing new. For as long as humans have walked the earth, we have been predicting and wondering when and how the world will end. Will it be a supervolcano under Yellowstone National Park that erupts and destroys earth? Perhaps aliens will arrive and enslave everyone. 
Maybe World War III will break out and nuclear weapons end up getting used, annihilating the entire planet. Or just maybe the end of the human race will be at the robotic hands of artificial intelligence. This is The End of the World. Now, before we discuss those interesting theories as to what could cause the end of the world, let's first discuss a little bit about ancient civilizations and their beliefs regarding the end of the world. So, Dan, can you start that off for us? So, for thousands of years, ancient civilizations all around the world have made predictions about the end of the world. For example, over 2,500 years ago, the Persian Empire which was one of the largest empires the ancient world had seen at that point, had a state religion called Zoroastrianism. Now, this Zoroastrianism had a belief that an epic struggle between good and evil would culminate in the end of the world. Now, because of this belief, and the Persian Empire at the time being so widespread, many cultures were exposed to this apocalyptic thinking. And by the way, I just wanted to mention a few little knowledge nuggets real quick. As I was digging into this Zoroastrianism, I found some pretty crazy stuff. So get this. It is the oldest religion still in existence. And how it all got started was way back in the day. There was this guy named Zoroaster who was born in either northeastern Iran or somewhere in southwestern Afghanistan. Historians aren't really sure. Anyway, so at the age of 30, this Zoroaster was partaking in a pagan purification rite when he supposedly had a divine vision of this supreme being. Now, it was after him having this vision that he was like, hey, I'm going to create my own religion. And that's what he did. He created his own religion and started teaching his followers about it. And they began worshiping this god named Ahura Mazda. Now, that Mazda name, Dan, it sounds familiar, right? What do you think of when I say Mazda? Car. Exactly. The Japanese automaker, right? Yep. Did you know that Mazda, the car maker, that they actually named their company after that god? They did it because they hoped that, hey, if we name this company after a god of light, that it would brighten the image of their vehicles. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Uh, also, another little knowledge nugget that I found out was that uh, Freddie Mercury, you know, the lead singer of Queen, he practiced this religion and um, his funeral was performed by a priest of this religion. No shit. Anyway, here's just some small knowledge nuggets that I wanted to share with everyone. Anyway, back to the story. All right. So as I had previously stated, all around the world for thousands of years, various cultures and people from different religions have been predicting the end of the world, all claiming that they are the ones who are right. Now, because of this, there have been a ton of interesting stories about individuals who made these predictions and got it wrong, and we actually picked out a few examples. So Aaron, tell us about our first one. So our first failed end of the world prediction that we're going to talk about today was by an American Christian radio broadcaster, author, and evangelist named Harold Camping. Now, Harold didn't just make one end-of-the-days prediction. He made a lot of them, about 12 of them to be exact. And he based all of his predictions on biblical numerology. For like one of the examples, in 1992, 
he predicted the world would end in 1994. When that didn't happen, he said, and we quote, My bad. You know, the real end of the world? It's going to occur 7,000 years after the flood of the Old Testament, which makes the end of days on May 21st, 2011, everybody. So that prediction of his for the end of the world on May 21st, 2011, was widely reported in the media and kind of became viral. All of this was mostly because of him talking about it all the time on his radio show. All right, so we're going to fast forward to May 22nd, 2011. And of course, the end of the world did not happen. Everyone was like, damn it, Harold. (laughs) Everyone was pissed. So that day on May 22nd, on his radio show, due to him receiving so much backlash, he made a claim. He told everyone, hey, my math was wrong. I miscalculated things. The real end of the world date is October 21st, 2011. So we fast forward to October 16th of 2011. On that day, Harold ended up retiring from his position at Family Radio. This was only five days before the end of the world according to him. Now, at that point, mainstream media wanted to profit off of this sensational headline of, you know, some prominent figure making a claim that the end of the world was going to happen soon. So, of course, all of the news stations started running this story. And then we all know what happens next, right? October 21st, 2011 passes, and the world does not end. People after that, of course, they got pissed and they started calling up the news station saying, What the hell? I thought the world was going to end. That's exactly what they said. There's a live clip right there for you. In response to this, a lot of the media began calling Harold a false prophet, in which it gave Family Radio bad publicity and they suffered a significant loss of assets, staff, and revenue. However, it is still up and running to this day. Harold, on the other hand, not so much. God, that sounds terrible. (laughs) It's true. It's true, though. (laughs) In early December 2013, he fell down in his home and ended up dying from complications. Should have had a life alert. Yeah, you should have. Was life alert around back then? Probably not. I'm sure it was. I mean, it was on nightly commercials. At nighttime, when you turn on the TV, it always pop up. Help me, I can't get up. And that one guy's like, oh, you should have had life alert, bitch. See you later. Yeah. (laughs) Poor old lady. Anyway, so that right there is our first failed prediction. And I just want to say this. It is the most normal one that we are going to talk about today because the rest of them are pretty weird. So, Dan, tell us about the true way prediction. So in the early 1990s in Taiwan, there was a professor named Han Ming Chen. Chin had been an atheist for most of his life until one day he decided to join a religious group. Eventually, in 1993, Chin left the group and formed his own, calling it Chin Tao, or also known as True Wei. So this True Wei religion had way different beliefs than any other religion. For example, the religion believes that each person has three souls, and you must work on becoming more spiritual to have better spiritual energy. The religion also believes in what they call outside souls, which are basically souls and people who act as bad influences in the human world. Now, some of the other religious beliefs that this religion has come straight from Chin himself. 
in which he stated that uh, the solar system is 4.5 trillion years old and that it was created by a nuclear war in space. Chin also states that the Earth went through five tribulations going all the way back to the age of the dinosaurs, that humankind had survived extinction during these tribulations due to God rescuing only a few humans in a flying saucer and then placing them back on Earth afterwards. So basically what he said is like, hey, there's a lot of extinction events that happened. Humankind survived it by God getting in a UFO, picking up those humans, holding on to them for a little bit, and then dropping them back off when it was all done. Hey, that's a good movie idea. I mean, it is. He rated, though. Yeah, yeah. All right, so the group slowly grew with more and more members joining. In 1997, at around 160 total members, the religious group ended up moving to the United States and settled in Garland, Texas, where members of the group purchased more than 20 homes in an upper-middle-class area of Garland. And by the way, Chin was asked why they moved to Garland, and he said because the name of the town sounded like Godland. Just a little FYI. Also, something else worth noting is that Chin had two young boys in his religious following that he claimed were actual reincarnations of Jesus Christ and Buddha. Wow. Yeah. That's like my thing about some of these religions, like, or not religions, but like cults and stuff. There's always a reincarnation of a God somewhere involved. Always. Yeah. And it was weird when he made this claim because he was doing an interview with a local news station in Garland. And he had like a translator sitting next to him and he had some of his followers as well. Well, one of the little boys that was like, I don't know, 10 years old that was sitting next to him drinking a Mountain Dew and eating raisins was like wasn't even paying attention to the interview. It was apparently either Jesus or Buddha, one of them, because he points down to him and is like, this is Jesus or Buddha. And the kid like kind of looks up at him with a mouthful of raisins, taking a sip of his Mountain Dew. He's like, huh? <laughs> and oh, and by the way, I used to live in Garland. I lived there for, I don't know, like six months. Was it in 1997 or 1998? No, 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 no. <laughs> anyway, so shortly after this religious group ended up moving to Garland, Texas, is when things got pretty weird for them. Chin started telling all of his followers that the end of the world was near. And his followers were like, when is it? When's the world going to end? What's going to happen? Chin just sat there and he looked up at him and he said, on March 31st, 1998, God will appear on all United States televisions, specifically on Channel 18. He then went on to say that God would announce on Channel 18 that he would descend to Earth that following week. And I wish we were joking, but we are not. He really did say this. Oh, it, it gets even better. Now, the local media picked up on this and ended up interviewing Chin. They asked him, what if someone doesn't have cable so that they can see God appear on Channel 18? Chin replied back with, and we quote, eh, that doesn't matter. God will make them have cable. <laughs> Legitimately said that, <laughs> that God would bless the people with cable. I give you night and I give you cable after dark. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So Chin also stated that God would tell everyone that his physical form would be identical to him. Which is a bit weird, but, you know, whatever. I just want to recap what Chin had just said so everybody is fully aware. Chin said that the end of the world was going to happen on March 31st, 1998. That only in the United States, 
all of the televisions would turn to channel 18 and God would appear. But God would not be like some spiritual looking holy person. It would actually look exactly like Chin. That's what he stated. Oh, and also that this God would tell everyone, hey, I'm going to descend to the earth that next following week. So there you go. And something else to keep in mind, when all of this was happening, it was in 1998. Now, only a year prior in 1997 is when the whole Heaven's Gate debacle occurred, which if you don't know what that is, is pretty much a religious group that was very similar to what Chin was doing that had committed mass suicide. Yeah, they believe the mothership was following behind an asteroid in space and that you had to pretty much kill yourself to be able to send your spirit or soul or whatever to the mothership as it passed by. Yeah, and all the members of the group, well, I say all, almost all of the members of the group committed suicide. And all the news stations picked up on this story and it gave them great ratings. So only a year later, as this Heaven's Gate story was kind of dying down, True Way... This religion ended up popping up in all the media thinking, ooh, here come our ratings back up. So that's why they were always reporting on it. Would this be a bad time to say that we did an episode on Heaven's Gate? So you should check it out. (laughs) Yeah, hey, we did. We did do an episode on Heaven's Gate. You go check it out. I can't even remember what episode number it is, but it was one of the earlier ones. Uh, That's when they wore the jumpsuits and the Nikes. Yeah, the Nikes, which those Nikes are very expensive now to get. Mm. They made them popular. Anyway. All right, Dan, we'll... Continue with the story. What happened uh, when the doomsday supposedly occurred in March of that year? All right. So March 31st of 1998 came around. And of course, God never appeared on any televisions and all of Chin's followers were super confused. Chin ended up announcing to his followers that he obviously had misunderstood God's plans. Everyone stood around, looked at one another and were like, okay, okay. And they all just returned back to their homes like, okay, whatever. Yeah, they just kind of ignored them and they just started walking back to their homes. And at that point, Chin, he started to feel super bad and confused and a bit angry. And this is where he decided to take things to the extreme. As his followers were walking back to their homes, he decided to start yelling at them, telling them, throw stones at me, put me on a cross and crucify me. That's what he was demanding of them. Of course, his followers were like, what the hell is wrong with you? And they just kept walking back to the home and they, they ignored him and they just kind of closed their door and he was outside, crucify me, yelling in the streets that. And they were like, damn, this dude's weird. Why did we follow him? Now, something worth mentioning is that before this doomsday prediction is that Chin had actually made an earlier one stating that when he was to arrive in Texas, that he would find, and I quote, Jesus of the West. His followers asked him what this person would look like in which Chin said that he would look like Abraham Lincoln. So following both of those, you know, failed predictions of not finding the Jesus Abraham Lincoln of the United States and uh, failing to predict the end of the world, and then after that pretty much freaking out on everybody, is when his religion just started to fall apart. Almost all of the members ended up returning back to Taiwan However, a few of them did decide to stay, but they ended up moving to New York. So what happened to Han Ming Chin? Well, no one really knows. He kind of just disappeared. So there you go. That is the true way, a.k.a. Hong Ming Chin's failed prediction. And as crazy as that one was, Dan, things only get even weirder. So Dan... 
Tell us about our next prediction and how a chicken had the ability to predict the future. All right. So back in 1806, in England, there was this hen that was laying eggs. And that's pretty normal, right? You know, chicken lays eggs. Of course. Yeah, they lay eggs all the time. Hens do. Yeah. Well, not so fast, because apparently these eggs that the hen was laying had inscribed on them, Christ is coming. Of course, word of this started to spread around town, and people started to say that, hey, this hen laying eggs saying that, hey, Christ is coming, that has to be a sign that the end of the world is near. And because of that, people from all over the world started to come and see these eggs and this hen actually lay these eggs. Because it wasn't just one. This hen would continually lay these eggs that would have this Christ is coming inscribed on the side of it. So people are like, holy shit, it just laid one. It is true. Ah, we're all going to die. <laughs> it's pretty much what happened. So a few weeks after this started, a visitor decided to stop by the farm early in the morning to see the hen and its eggs. However, what they discovered was the owner of the bird, Mary Harker, inserting an egg back into the hen. Not the nest. The hen itself. So what Mary had been doing is that she was taking the eggs that had already been laid and using a corrosive ink to inscribe that quote of Christ is coming onto the side of it. And then she would take that egg and reinsert it into the hen that morning before anyone else came. Of course, people would start showing up and then the hen would lay the eggs that she already reinserted and everybody would be amazed. They'd all be like, oh, cool. And that right there was the hen who did not lay doomsday eggs and didn't predict the future. Wouldn't that ink be like poisoning to the hens? That's what I assumed, you know, but I'm not an expert over hens and inks and stuff like that. So uh, now something else worth noting about this Mary Harker is that she had the nickname of Yorkshire Witch. And only a few months after this egg debacle took place, a husband and wife ended up visiting her. The couple had heard that Mary was a witch and that she could maybe fix them, that they had chest pains and the town doctors couldn't even help them. So this couple came in, Mary looked them over and then said, hey, both of you have been cursed. And the only way that this curse can be lifted is if both of y'all eat some of my enchanted pudding that I made. But here's the thing, eating the pudding once doesn't fix it. You're going to have to come back multiple times and eat my pudding. And then eventually the curse will be lifted. Oh, she didn't insert no egg into their butts? No, but she told them to eat their pudding. Over the next two years, the couple continued to come over to Mary's house, paying for her pudding, and then eat it. However, the wife of the couple ended up getting worse, and in 1808, she ended up dying. Of course, the husband accused Mary of poisoning his wife and defrauding them. The police ended up searching Mary's home, in which they found a bottle of poison and quickly arrested her. A few months later, in March of 1809, is when Mary's trial took place. And it lasted over 11 hours. Now, the jury, on the other hand, when they were told, hey, come to a verdict, it only took them a few moments. And they were like, hey, Mary's guilty of fraud and murder. And, of course, at that point, it was given over to the judge who was going to do the sentencing to Mary. And the judge said, hey, I'm going to sentence you, Mary, to death. 
However, before he could speak anymore, Mary spoke up and said, hey, I'm 22 weeks pregnant. And because I'm pregnant, you all cannot hang my ass. Okay, you can't hang me. I'm pregnant. That was kind of like a thing back then. If a woman was pregnant, you couldn't hang them. The judge turned to the sheriff and had him gather up 12 married women. The married women were then sworn in and were told to conduct a physical examination of Mary to determine if she was pregnant, in which they concluded that she was not and that they could proceed with hanging her. So on March 20th, 1809, Mary was hanged alongside two other men. Now, shortly after her execution, her body was put on display and people could actually pay three pence to actually look at it. That's messed up. They were charging people three pence to come look at her dead body. And it gets worse because they ended up dissecting her body and took strips of her skin and tanned them into leather and sold those tanned strips of her skin leather as magic charms that were supposed to ward off evil spirits. And it gets worse. The governor ended up coming by and cut the tip of her tongue off and kept it as a souvenir. And then uh, the leftover skin that wasn't used to make charms were actually used to uh, cover two books. There are two books out there that are covered with the skin of a supposed witch. I'm going to go ahead and say this. Mm -hmm. It's bad that she poisoned the wife, and I guess probably the husband too, but the wife died first. But what these people did, I would say, is far worse. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So there was rumors that she didn't mean to kill the wife. She just kept, like, slowly putting a little bit more and more poison in it so that she would have to keep coming back and back and back, keep her sick, and she can keep paying for her pudding. She wouldn't get better. After a while, your body builds an immunity to the poison, wouldn't it? So you'd have to add more and more and more, like, every time? I assume so, but I'm not a poison expert, so I don't know. So maybe she just added a little too much poison the next time, and she's like, oh, my bad. Maybe. That sucks, though. It does. All right. So those are some predictions of the end of the world that did not come true. Now, before we get into the meat of the episode, where we talk about theories of different doomsday scenarios and the likelihood of them happening, let's first discuss some strange facts and findings about other predictions. So, Dan, do you want to tell us about the first one we have? I sure will. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. So our first strange fact and finding has to do with the Mayan calendar. Now, I am sure you all remember this, but for some of you that don't, let me give you a quick refresher. So around 2010 and 2011, a lot of news stations and pretty much everyone in the world started talking about how the ancient Mayan people had a calendar that was super accurate. The Mesoamerican long count calendar of theirs had a 5,126 year long cycle that ended on December 21st of 2012. Now, because of that calendar ending on that day, as well as some planetary alignments that were set to happen that day, a lot of the people assumed that maybe it was the end of the world. Now, how would the world end exactly? Well, back then, in 2012, the most popular belief was that because of these planetary alignments, our solar system would align with a black hole at the center of the galaxy. 
which then our magnetic poles would switch with one another and then end up failing, which would leave the atmosphere to be stripped away by devastating solar winds. That was the most popular belief. And as you may know, 2012 came along, and the world did not end. Why do we mention this? Well, a new calendar was found. An older, more accurate Mayan calendar. So in 2020, researchers were searching through some ancient ruins in Guatemala, and they discovered some odd carvings on a wall of a 1,200-year-old residential building. Now, after they examined the carvings, it was determined that these carvings were actually astronomical tables that charted planetary movements, moon and star patterns, and even predicted the positions of celestial bodies thousands of years into the past and the future. The researchers also stated that these tables are the oldest ones that they have ever found. Also, the planetary calendar spans over a 7,000-year time period, which, if the Mayan planetary calendars do mark the end of the world, then it won't happen until thousands of more years from now. So that's our first strange fact and finding, which I just thought we should mention it because, you know, it is pretty interesting that they just recently found that new Mayan calendar. Kind of interesting that it was found in a, what, 1,200-year-old residential building? Yeah, that they were just drawn on the walls. Interesting. All right, so let's talk about our next strange fact and finding, which is my favorite, by the way. So this one is about a computer at MIT. So back in 1973, MIT researchers developed a computer program called World One. So this program gathered the history and statistics of the 1900s, such as population, pollution, the death rate, and other factors. It then took all of those numbers and calculated the global sustainability and what would happen to the human race in the future. So after running this program, the computer predicted that in the year 2020, there would be a drop in the standard of living. The quality of life for humans would drop drastically, and pollution will become so serious that it ends up killing people. Now, the computer also predicted that due to population and industrial expansion, that there would be a global collapse by the year of 2040. And by the year of 2050, civilized life as we know it on this planet Earth will end. So there you go. Well, damn. And it's kind of weird that the computer made that prediction about 2020, about the quality of life for humans dropping. I mean, they're not lying. No. All right, so that was the strange fact and finding about the MIT computer. So, Dan, tell us about this next strange fact and finding we got. All right, so our next strange fact and finding is about another computer that made a prediction. Stephen Hawking's. (laughs) (laughs) You're horrible, Dan. You're horrible. And if you don't know who he is, well, he was a highly respected theoretical physicist who ended up passing away in 2018. Now, why do we mention him? Well, in 2017, Stephen Hawking stated that due to population growth, by the year 2600, the world's population would be standing shoulder to shoulder, and the electricity consumption would make the earth glow red. So he's saying, hey, if you guys don't quit f***ing, there's going to be too many people on this earth in 2600. How many years is that away? Well, like 500 and something years away. 
578. Yeah. See, you're good at math. I knew we kept you around for some reason. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so something else that Stephen Hawking stated when he originally said that quote was that uh, the best hope for the survival of the human race at that point would be to leave Earth completely and that we should start independent colonies in space. It's pretty interesting, huh? Independent colonies in space. I wonder how that would work. Would it be like a floating ship? I suppose so. So we all be living in like the space station, but probably 100,000 times bigger than that. Yeah, and that space station would have to have like outer layers to protect it from certain things, such as like cosmic rays and maybe asteroids that it can't get out of the way of and other things, which kind of makes me wonder, is Earth just a big spaceship? Is there actually aliens in the middle of it? And then they created these outer layers of natural crust to disguise it as a fake planet. I guess we'll keep that for theories. Yeah. Anyway, so Dan, tell us about this next strange fact and finding. Now, our last strange fact and finding is about a conference. So back in 2008, there was a global catastrophic risk conference held at the University of Oxford. All the smartest people in the world were invited to it. So I guess I missed that invitation to sort of brainstorm with the future of the human race and its biggest threat. So after multiple hours and hours of discussing and running math formulas, they came to the conclusion that there was a 19% chance by the year 2100, humans will become extinct. Now, how will humans become extinct? Well, this conference ended up listing out the most probable causes and ended up ranking them. Now, the top two causes, which are at 5% each, are molecular nanotechnology weapons and a super intelligent AI. The next probable cause would be war at 4%, and then we have an engineered pandemic at 2%, and then we have a nuclear war at 1%, which I guess is different from just a regular war. I mean, it would make sense that the nuclear war would be at 4%, and then the regular war would be at 1%, but I'm not going to question these big brains, you know. Hmm. The other three probable causes that they listed was a nanotechnology accident at 0.5%, a natural pandemic at 0.05%, and nuclear terrorism in last place at 0.03%. And I just would like to point this out. They listed a natural pandemic of having a 0.05% chance. An engineered pandemic at 2%. Just want to point that out. The fact that they even brought up engineered pandemic. was back in 2008. Mm -hmm. Alright, so that right there is our last strange fact and finding. Now we are going to transition into theories and how they would play out in an end of the world scenario. Now, before we get into that, we're going to take our last break. It's going to be real quick. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. All right, welcome back. So, Dan, do you want to tell us about the first possible scenario of how the end of the world could happen? The first possibility that we are going to talk about is a supervolcano. So, lurking beneath Yellowstone National Park is a reservoir of hot molten magma five miles deep, fed by a gigantic plume of molten rock welling up from hundreds of miles below. That heat is responsible for many of the park's famous geysers and hot springs. And as magma rises up into the chamber and cools, the ground above periodically rises and falls. 
on rare occasions throughout history, that magma chamber has erupted. The vast majority of those eruptions in Yellowstone have been smaller lava flows. However, on very rare occasions, these eruptions turn into a supervolcano. In Yellowstone, this has occurred three times. One occurred 2.1 million years ago, another one was 1.3 million years ago, and the last one was 664,000 years ago. Now, when it last erupted over 600,000 years ago, the thinnest layers of the ash ejected from the caldera and spread over most of the United States, west of the Mississippi River, and part of northeastern Mexico. The magma covered much of what is now Yellowstone National Park and extended beyond. Now, if the Yellowstone caldera erupted again as a supervolcano, this is what would happen. It is estimated that at least 1,000 cubic kilometers of volcanic ash would get shot up into the air, which, by the way, that is enough ash to bury the entire state of Texas five feet deep. That's a lot of ash. That is a lot of ash. Holy smokes. Now, that volcanic ash would be falling as far away as New York. It would reduce traction on roads and runways, short out electrical transformers, and cause respiratory problems. There would be centimeters of thickness over much of the U.S., enough to disrupt crops and livestock, especially if it happened at a critical time in the growing season. Part of the ash would also umbrella the atmosphere, and North America would become largely uninhabitable for a while. Now, would humanity become extinct because of this? Mm, probably not, but it would come close. Yeah, it would, but I can tell you this, it would be the complete end of the United States. 100%. Facts. And a lot of people would die. So I hope this never happens. Can we just put a plug on it? Well, the thing is, I was reading more into it, and some scientists who actually studied the crust and this actual Yellowstone caldera has stated that there's a possibility it may never erupt again. So, yay to that, you know what I mean? Isn't there a movie about the Yellowstone erupting? That has uh, John Cusack in it? Mm, I don't know. 2012. Is that where the world gets like really cold? No, that's uh, Day After Tomorrow or something like that? Or... Oh. Yeah, this one is... Uh... Wait, 2012 has Nicolas Cage in it? No, that's John Cusack. 2012, well, what's Nicolas? Oh, a knowing. Knowing? Is that where he's like a psychic? I don't fucking know, just ignore <laughs> me. Yeah, the movie's called 2012. I've never seen it, I'll have to watch it. Yeah, it's about a global cataclysm and all that stuff. Like, I know Yellowstone is like part of it. I don't know if that's what caused it, but it's been a while since I've seen it. It's a decent movie. I'll watch it. All right, so that right there is the first possibility, which I'm going to save my opinion for the very end. We're just kind of going to lay them all out. All right, so the next possible theory that we're going to talk about is called nuclear war. And this one is pretty self-explanatory. Basically, a giant world war starts and countries start nuking one another, which in turn ends humanity. Now, the probability of this happening is low, but in my opinion, I think that low probability is still higher than the one we just talked about, Dan, the supervolcano. I have to agree with you on that. And... I know a lot of people might say, oh, well, if someone launches multiple nukes at a country, that country is just going to get devastated and they won't be able to launch their nuclear weapons. 
Well, that's not necessarily true because there has been reports that the Soviet Union, before it collapsed, it had a dead man switch, which was basically a switch. Let's say if they ended up getting nuked, that switch detected that they got nuked. It would then launch all of their nuclear weapons, which were aimed at everybody. It's kind of like a, you're going to kill us or we're going to kill the entire world type thing. Yeah, with all the radars and stuff now, they, they'll know exactly when probably another country launches, right when they launch. So in retaliation, they'd probably do the same. Yeah. Sad to say, humans are dumb sometimes. We're not the smartest. Yeah. I'd like to think I am, but I'm not. I mean, I'd like to think I am. They didn't invite me to that meeting, though, so I guess I'm not. <laughs> All right, speaking of smart individuals, tell us about this next theory, Dan. Okay. Now, our next possible theory of what could cause the end of the world would be an alien invasion. So this scenario is that intelligent extraterrestrial life invades Earth to steal its resources. After it is done, it either destroys the Earth, exterminates all humans while they are stealing the resources, or they enslave the human race. Overall, it's not going to be a fun time. I've thought about this scenario multiple, multiple times, and I have to say, this is probably the most frightening scenario. At least with a nuclear war or maybe like a supervolcano, I won't have the fear of the unknown. With the alien invasion, you truly don't know what you're dealing with. You don't know what type of technology they have. It could be something like the movie off of Annihilation, where these aliens could mimic relatives that you know. So let me give you the scenario of, hey, you're sitting there at home, just on the computer, looking up cool stuff on askjeeves.com, right? Or maybe you're just listening to an episode of ours. And then all of a sudden, you see everybody freaking out. You look up into the sky and you hear news that aliens are invading and you have to go take shelter. So let's say you go and run into your apartment, you crawl into the closet and then you throw your covers over yourself and get a gun and you sit there and wait. Hours and hours pass and you hear people screaming and stuff going on outside. And then all of a sudden you hear a familiar voice. It's either your mother or your father or either a family member, brother or sister, or maybe even a roommate say, hey, where are you looking for you? And that's when you answer back and you say, I'm in here. When you answer back, they open up the door, and it's not that person. It's the aliens. They're looking for you. Which, I mean, at that point, you got to think, I mean, couldn't they scan through walls? Which, in reality, yeah, they could. If they could travel across the universe, they should be able to scan through walls and see all life forms on the planet and say, okay, let's wipe them all out. Oh, there's still one sitting over here on his computer. Let's take him out. Like in the movie, uh, oh, Signs, they don't know how to use doorknobs, so they'll never get in. Yeah, but see, that's my thing. I'd be scared of the unknown. What if the aliens are able to mimic, you know, your friends or family? What if they enslave us and bathe in our blood or something, you know? I don't know. I think about weird things like that and weird scenarios. It'd be a true test of how well you know your family. It would be. Damn. All right, so let's go on to our next possible scenario, which in my opinion is probably one of the most interesting ones. And it is involving molecular nanotechnology. Ooh. So basically, this theory is that this nanotechnology becomes a self-replicating machine and super, super small. However, it can self-replicate itself. So even though it starts off very small, it ends up consuming biomass on Earth to build more of itself. 
and basically it just takes over the entire world and consumes it, which that could be a possibility. You know, some country could be experimenting with molecular nanotechnology, aka super, super small robots, and then use them as a weapon. And then that weapon becomes out of control and then consumes all biomass on Earth. And then it just starts floating through space, searching for more biomass until it becomes the universe itself. Damn. That's kind of crazy, but at least you know you're dealing with, like, the blob or something there, you know? I don't know. That just made me, like, get that creepy feeling all over my skin. Nanobots crawling on you. All right, Dan, tell us about this next possible scenario. All right. This next one is an environmental or ecological disaster, such as world crop failure and collapse of ecosystem services could quickly cause the human race to starve. And another option in this one is something causing the entire world's water to become unsafe to drink or filter, which could be, of course, catastrophic. That's what I'm afraid of. Some sort of fungus, which we've talked about before, a cosmic fungus coming in and killing everybody. But what if there was a fungus that ended up adapting and it infected our water supply? And I'm not just talking about rivers and lakes. I'm talking about all the water supply in the world and you couldn't drink it or it would kill you and you couldn't filter it. At that point, what do you do? You start drinking Gatorade? That'll run out sooner or later. You start taking fruits and chopping them up, but then again, you won't have water to grow trees. Yeah, would that actually like poison the plants and trees and stuff? Probably. You couldn't eat any fruits, vegetables. You couldn't eat animals. Everyone would starve. Pretty much if we lost our water source, that's pretty much the end of us. 100%. 100%. And the likelihood of this one happening... I think is fairly high. Not, of, not because of our water source, but because of our food source. I think we're not far away from some type of crop failure or a collapse of our entire ecosystem services. We need to bring Mataji back. Teach us your ways. <laughs> teach, teach us the ways. In case y'all don't know what we're talking about, on our Patreon episode today, we talked about that Mataji Prahad Jahani who uh, was able to not eat or drink anything for 70-plus years. It's a very interesting episode. We must adapt. Yeah, we, we got to bring him back to life and teach us the ways. So let's talk about our next scenario, which is called Cosmic Threat. And we aren't talking about aliens coming down. This scenario is where all of us humans and the entire Earth get sucked into a giant black hole. Let's just say one invisible giant black hole is just traveling the universe and then just randomly comes across us and sucks us right in, which I gave a book suggestion a few episodes ago about that exact scenario. It's a short story called The Blue Afternoon That Lasted Forever. It's a great book. It's about uh, the world getting sucked into a black hole. It's terrifying. Another example of a cosmic threat would be a gamma ray burst which they're typically produced by a supernova, and it's when a star collapses inward on itself and then bounces outward in this massive explosion. And it creates a supernova, which then creates a gamma ray burst that spreads out everywhere. And under certain circumstances, these supernovas sometimes produce massive bursts of gamma radiation, and it emits outward from the event itself. And if something like this were to occur and it was oriented towards Earth, that massive amount of gamma radiation could significantly affect the Earth's atmosphere and pose a threat to pretty much all life on Earth. 
So let's hope that doesn't happen. It's not like we have control over it either. You know, if something like that happens, we're all doomed. But the probability of it happening is very low. I would say it's down there with aliens and a supervolcano and maybe gray goo. Hmm. What do you think, Dan? Do you think the probability of a gamma ray burst is, is more than a supervolcano or lower? It's like so unknown, but like you never know what's going to happen out in space. So, I mean, I personally would put it right there, right next to it as the same probability. Yeah, if anything, it'd be equal. Yeah, as of right now, I still have nuclear war at the number one spot. Yeah, nuclear war and an environmental disaster at number one. At number two, I would have the supervolcano and a cosmic threat, and then Grey Goo, aliens, and number three. Yeah, I would definitely have the nuclear war and the environmental disaster pretty much together. They even connect together, if you think about it. Nuclear war did happen. It taints the water and stuff, water supply, probably making the fruits and everything unedible. Yeah. All right, Dan, so tell us about this next possible scenario we have. All right, so in the pursuit of knowledge, humanity might inadvertently create a device that could destroy Earth and the solar system. What does this sound like? CERN. (laughs) Exactly, with their (laughs) Large Hadron Collider, which we did an episode over CERN. Go take a listen to it. We talk about its creation as well as the Large Hadron Collider. And uh, I can see humanity creating something that could destroy Earth. A hundred percent. I don't know. I mean, it might be a while before that happens, but it's possible. I mean, hopefully we'd catch them in a, when they do something in a smaller form before it gets to that extreme. What do you mean catch them? That, say, like, whatever laboratory they're working in, there's like an explosion or something. Oh, my God, Dan. <laughs> like, something to know, like, hey, yo, they're doing something bad right there. We should stop them. So someone whistle blows or something. Yeah. Or some event occurs that causes public attention on what they're doing. Exactly. Okay, I agree. I'm not wishing death on anybody. I'm just saying, like, some event that alerts us, catches our attention. So we're like, hey, what they're doing, they keep continuing it in a large scale. It's going to destroy us all. Yep. We can only hope that we get that warning and that all of a sudden we just don't all pass away. Yeah, that's wishful thinking that we catch them or something alerts us. Yeah. All right. So our next possible scenario would be a death cult. So this scenario is where a cult who has some type of extremist beliefs and they feel that, you know, they need to wipe out humanity. So to do this, they end up creating some type of like super virus or some type of bomb and they release it on humanity to wipe out everyone. Kind of reminds me of that Japanese cult that tried to. Um, Shinrikyo? Yes. Yeah, we did an episode over them for anyone that's unaware. Om Shinrikyo. It's a very weird cult. They did all the sarin gas attacks in Japan, killed a lot of people. It's a horrible cult. But I completely believe that if a cult was able to do this, they would. I mean, just based on the fact of you telling me about the, uh, the cult in Thailand that we talked about the other day and uh, the friggin' failed predictions that we talked about, you know, and all these other cults throughout our episodes. If a cult had the ability to wipe out humanity, I think they would. But I don't think they have that ability. Yeah. So I could see that as a sort of a probability if they had the technology, but I don't think they ever will. I hope not. I mean, that would be, that would definitely be terrible because, hey, I told you the world's ending. You should have believed me. Uh. 
Yeah. All right, Dan, so tell us about this next one that we have. Numerous historical examples of pandemics have had a devastating effect on a large number of people. The present unprecedented scale and speed of human movement make it more difficult than ever to contain an epidemic through local quarantines. And other sources of uncertainty and the evolving nature of the risks mean natural pandemics may pose a realistic threat to human civilization. Natural or man-made is this one. And we aren't going to say what we're going through right now because if we even mention the name of what's happening right now, no matter if we just say the word and don't even talk about it at all, we automatically get flagged for misinformation. The episode does. So we aren't even going to say the name, but I'm sure everyone knows what we're talking about. And I think this is up there as being the top one as a possibility of how the human race gets wiped out. Yeah, natural or man-made. A hundred percent. With it mutating constantly, eventually something's going to come along and it's going to wipe out everyone. Anything involving humans has a high probability. (laughs) You think about it. Yeah. We're too, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We seek knowledge too much. We seek the unknown. The shit that we can like get into is just insane. Yeah. Or shit that we know that's going to happen, but we still want to do it. And then the human race's egos is what causes their downfall in these certain situations. They believe, oh, this will never happen to us. So they like to push the envelope. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about our next possible scenario, which is called old age. And I know on the surface you may be thinking, oh, everybody gets old and they die. Just hear me out on this. So what if there's like a new type of weapon that is made that appears randomly and it spreads like a cold, but instead of you getting sick, you end up aging extremely fast. So this is more like a a man-made pandemic, right? Some man-made weapon that, let's say if a five-year-old catches it, within the next day, they're 90 years old. It causes accelerated aging. And the weird thing about this is, is that the prophet called Baba Vanga, which we have done an episode on, she actually made a prediction that there would be a weapon like this that comes along that makes humans age extremely fast, which is kind of scary to think about. She did definitely predict that. Yeah. All right, Dan, tell us about this last one. The last one we're going to talk about is AI. This scenario is basically someone makes artificial intelligence and it starts to rapidly become super intelligent. The AI then creates its own goals and perceives humans as an obstacle and decides to take us out. So I know I mentioned a short story earlier about a black hole. Well, another short story that I mentioned a few episodes ago is called I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. And it is by Harlan Ellison. And it is a short story about an AI that ends up wiping out the entire human race, except like four people, I think. And these four people have been manipulated by the AI. And what this AI does is it punishes them for creating it. And it is absolutely terrifying. It's a great short story. I gotta read those two. Yeah. Actually, it wasn't four people. It was five people, my bad. But yeah, that, if anything like that was to ever happen, that would be up there with aliens, in my opinion. I mean, I could see this happening, considering the AI, like Lambda, them working on, like Google was working on, and then people wanting to create, you know, 
robots just in general. Yeah. But here's my thing. If AI was created, I don't think it's going to come out and say, here we are, and now we're going to take over the world, because then at that point, the entire human race would band together and attempt to take it down. Now, would we be successful in taking AI out? Probably not. But AI, you got to think they think strategically, right? So the smartest way to take out the human race would be to pit the human race against each other. So maybe what we're seeing now with all this division of it being with race, of it being with religion, with all the wars that are going on, all of this news that is just bad things happening all the time. Maybe this is all done behind the scenes by this super intelligent AI that has already been created. And the human race doesn't know it, but it is wiping itself out because this AI in the background is making us do it to ourselves. And it doesn't have to lift a finger. And it doesn't matter if it takes a hundred years or a thousand years. It's immortal. It'll last forever. So it doesn't look at time like we do. So there you go. Damn. That's how I think AI would wipe us out. It would just be in the background and we would never know it. I definitely see that because why, why come out and have the chance of being annihilated? Yeah. Being overwhelmed. Working behind the scenes. All right, Dan. I want to know your personal thought and theories behind all of this. What do you think is the most probable scenario of the end of the world happening? It's such a tough one. Just anything involving humans, I'm, it's like it's up there on my list. I don't want to say it's like it's going to be one or the other. I think anything involving humans, like nuclear war, engineered pandemics, disasters and stuff, like anything that humans can be involved with will probably be the end of us. Some person's going to mess up and it's going to get us. Okay, whether it be what, a nuclear war or like an engineered pandemic? Virus, bug, disease. Okay, or maybe our water supply gets tainted. Yeah. Okay. I would have to agree with you that it would most likely be something at our own hands. The human race would go extinct because of us and what we did. What that is, I don't know. And what causes it, I don't know. It'll be something that we definitely are involved with. I mean, if nature takes its course, nature takes its course. But I honestly think it's something we're going to mess up. Mother Earth strikes back. Yeah. Creates a fungus to wipe us out. It knows what we're planning, so it's trying to stop it from being, itself being destroyed with us. Yeah. We're like a f mold on the planet, and the planet's like, we got to get you off. Let's create a fungus to kill all humans. We're like the infestation on Earth. Yeah, we're the cancer. As sad as that is to say. Yeah, it's kind of sad. <laughs> we consume. We don't give anything back. We just consume, consume. I mean, some of these, I'm not going to say that be cool, but it'd be different if it's like com cosmic threat or aliens. I mean, aliens would be scary as hell, though. I just don't see any of those actually happening. And that's just my thoughts on it. All of these would suck. I mean, yeah. I mean, it'd be the end of us, so yeah. All right. Well, do you have anything else you want to add to the show today? Uh, if anybody has any other theories about how the world will end, email me and Aaron. Let us know. Yeah, we'd love to hear about it. We'd love to hear your end of the world possible scenarios and what do you think is going to happen? Such a depressing topic, you think about it. <laughs> oh, it is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for ending season four on this. But it was a great topic and we have to discuss it. All right. Well, that is the end of the episode. 
And I just want to say a few things before we go to our on the scene is that it is the end of season four. So for the next few weeks, there will be no regular episode. We will be preparing for season five. We will still be publishing episodes on Patreon, uh, one a week. That will not stop. However, our regular episodes will. So if you, for some reason, cannot get enough of us, you can just head over to our Patreon and sign up. It's only five bucks, and you continue getting episodes during this break. All right, so now I guess we move on to our On the Scene. So if you aren't familiar with what our On the Scene is, it is where individuals all around the world go and interview people, either on the streets or in their home, or maybe they interview themselves and just give their personal thoughts and opinions on certain happenings that are going on around the world. Now, anyone can do this. You can just use your phone to record, make sure it's less than two minutes long, and submit it to our email, Aaron at theoriesofthethirdkind.com, or you can send it to Dan at theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and we will stick it at the end of the list because we do have a list of individuals who have submitted their on the scenes, and we play the top one on the list each week, and then everybody moves up. So it's fair for everyone. All right, so this week's on the scene is from Jake, and we are going to play that right now. Hello, Theories of the Third Kind listeners. My name is Blank Jake, and today I'm here with Mike, and we're going to ask Mike a few questions uh, for your on the scene. So, Mike, you ready? Let's get it. All right, first question. The government admitted to the existence of UFOs, or as they called it, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, or UAPs. However, no one is really talking about it, and the news barely covered it. Why do you think that is? Well, Blank Jake, I think the fact that, you know, UFOs are so common that there's really no shock that there are UFOs that the government or people aren't really finding it as fascinating as it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago because you couldn't really see what's in the sky. People really didn't know what it was, you know, rumors here, the rumors there, but I think it's so normalized now that people aren't really shocked about it enough to really talk about it. So you think the general public has just sort of accepted the fact that these UFOs are more of a fact than a, uh, a an urban legend now? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks. Uh, next question. Do you believe that there is such a thing as a shadow government? And if so, do you think that it has a connection to the occult or a satanic organization? I think there's some sort of uh, behind government scenes. I think that they are tied with some sort of cult, I guess. Um, I say that because a lot of weird stuff happens only to the 1% and the 1%, you know, is in power. Exactly. All right, we've got 30 seconds left. Got to keep it under two minutes here. Last question. Are birds real? 100% not. They have no eggs. Never seen any chicks. Where are they at? Where are they coming from? Explain. We need answers, folks. All right. Thanks, Mike. This has been Blank Jake. Uh, happy listening. Nice. All right, I got a couple things real quick. First of all, thank you for the on the scene. I liked it. I did. Me too. I love you, and I'm proud of you. My first question to you, Jake, is were y'all in a damn airport? Because halfway through it, you hear this. I wanted to say it was either a plane or like a big vehicle that drove by. It sounded like it had to be a plane. That thing sounded so loud. If we're going to call that out, I want to know who was squirming in their chair. Well, uh, that was one of my next. Okay, I was going to say, Jake, you have a great voice. However, Mike. Quit moving in your damn chair when you answer your questions, okay? Huh. It's one of my pet peeves, isn't it, Dan? It is. 
I think I'm moving in my chair now, and I think it picked up some of it. <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> but hey, I love the questions. Very engaging. However, I do have to disagree with you, Mike. Birds are real, okay? I had a pair of cockatiels, and they had eggs, and I raised the babies as my own, and I was its mother. I fed them from my nipple. Okay, maybe I didn't do that, but... He did. I did... Uh, have little eggs from cockatiels and raised up the babies and had hand fed them. And I've had multiple other birds in my life, an African gray named Salem. I've had an eclectus. I've had budgies. I've had cockatiels. I've had all different types of birds. I love birds. And I do have to say they are real because one time my um, cockatiel whiskey jumped on Salem's cage, which is my African gray. And before I could run over there and get whiskey off of Salem's cage, Salem ended up biting the toe off of the cockatiel whiskey. Ooh. I had to bandage it up, and uh, he was toeless for a little while. It, he did bleed. There was no, like, oil that came out. <laughs> no oil. But, yeah, thank you for the uh, on the scene this week. I, I love it, and I love both of you. Yeah, it was definitely a good one. Yeah. All right, so now we are going to transition to our shout-outs for the week. So I just have a couple shout-outs I wanted to do. First one I want to give is to Alex Morris. They ended up uh, sending me an email about a story that they had. And then I want to give a shout out to Lisa Rodriguez Anya. She says she's been listening to us for three months now and we're her favorite and that it makes her 10 hour shifts go by super fast. And she can't wait for what's in store for season five. Love you guys. Why we love you and make sure you stick it to the man and continue listening to us while you're at work. I demand that. And if your boss has a problem with it, tell him he can take it up with Dan. Ain't that right, Dan? That's right. You send them my way. Nice. All right. So what do you have for Facebook shout outs? All right. So a quick little list. Shout out to Ant H, uh, Jason O, Wayne T, uh, David K, uh, Victor R, Ricky F, see Mike H. He just became a third kinder. Welcome to Patreon. Chase H, Dylan G, shout out to Nick McSexy Pants off of Facebook. <laughs> and then uh, Casey C. And that is all I have for Facebook. The rest would be birthday shout outs. Nice. All right. I got a couple birthday shout outs. My first one is going to go to Vivian Campbell. She sent us an email and said, hey, I had requested a birthday shout out and you guys had to postpone it. So now I'm demanding that both of you have to sing me happy birthday together. So, Dan, you're going to give Vivian Campbell a happy birthday. You ready? Me? I thought it said both of us. No, okay. I'll sing it with you. You ready? Happy, happy birthday. You? Okay, you're letting me fill it in. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I saw what you did there. You cut off. Happy birthday, Vivian. I hope it was a good one. I'm sorry Dan sucked at singing it for you. Happy birthday. Ugh. There you go. Love you and proud of you. All right, so our next birthday shout-out is to Sebastian. His birthday is July 24th, which is this coming Sunday. Happy birthday to you, Sebastian. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sebastian. I love you. And we're proud of you. All right, so this next birthday shout-out goes to Brian Riviera. I have been requested to say the following in a Hulk Hogan voice, okay? 
Nice. Let me tell you something, brother. Happy birthday, Brian Riviera. Love you, you bitch. From your wife, Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> Those exact words. So there you go. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> All right. I have one more. Actually, I have two more. Two more real quick. So I got an email from this woman who says, Sing a little happy birthday song for my incredible husband, Mike Walsh. I love him and I'm proud of him. His birthday is July 29th. And he absolutely loves your podcast. So since we're going to be on our break during his birthday, Mike Walsh, Dan is going to serenade your ass so hard right now. Give it to him, Dan. Happy birthday to you. That's the hardest I've ever seen you serenade before. Damn. I know. You okay? You going to pass out? <sighs> Damn. I'm good. I'm good. Just my heart's fluttering now because, you know, I was trying to <laughs> serenade. All right. So I have one more shout out, but it's, I'm going to save that till the end. Uh, do you have any more birthday shout outs, Dan? I have a couple. All right. Let's, let's hear them. So the first birthday shout out comes from someone off of Discord, July 31st. So we'll be on our break by then, but happy birthday shout out to Nathan Hubbard from your brother, Austin. He just wanted to say happy birthday and we wanted to say happy birthday as well. Happy birthday. We're proud of you and we love you. Both of you. The Hubbards. The Hubbards. That's what I'm talking about. So yeah. So happy birthday to Nathan. Happy birthday to you, Austin. All right. Next birthday shout out I have is one from Instagram. See if I can get a shout out for my birthday on August 16th. I know it's a month away, but still would make my birthday. Well, to Madre, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. I love you and I'm proud of you. Now, I think this is the last birthday shout out, I believe it is. It is to a Benjamin Sullivan. His birthday was on the 18th, which was Monday. And he turned 25. Nice. And he requested that Aaron and I sing him happy birthday. We have to make it as sexy as possible, like Marilyn Monroe singing to JFK. Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't know if I could do a Marilyn Monroe voice. Happy birthday. <laughs> That's like you're crying. <laughs> I know, I was like, a, I was barely even having anything coming out of my voice. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Benjamin. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Benjamin. Yeah. We love you. It's not sexy at all, but hey, there you go. It's a happy birthday. No, not sexy at all. <laughs> Live it up. That's right. Live it up. I believe that's all I have for birthday. Well, I actually have one more. Okay. For our last birthday shout out to Noray, her birthday is in July, which is this week, I believe it is. Uh, yes, July 21st is her birthday. So happy birthday to you, Noray. Hope it's a good one. Don't party too hard in Dubai. Ooh, nice. I like that. Happy birthday. I hope it's a good one, Noray. Yeah. Yeah, brother. All right. So this last shout out I have is to Jenna K. I wanted to save this for the very end because she had sent us a picture and she was at the Space Needle with her boyfriend and guess what his ass did? What'd he do? He didn't push her off of it. Well, I hope not considering she's the one emailing, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he proposed to her and she was wearing a TOT3K shirt that she got from theoriesofthethirdkindshop.com and hey, she sent an email and said, hey, this is a great new timeline we're on. Thanks, CERN. 
<laughs> and then she provided a a picture of uh, her, you know, Jenna and Sterling and her showing the ring and her theories of the third kind merch. And I just want to say congratulations to you two. May your love be everlasting. Yeah, congratulations to you two. We look forward to that invitation to the wedding. A hundred percent. You better send us an invitation to the wedding. And you think we're playing, but our ass will really show up and you won't even know we're there. That's right. So yeah, we expect an invitation, okay? We expect VIP invitations. I expect to be the best man. I expect to be the maid of honor then, if he's going to be the best Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. But hey, congratulations, you two. I'm proud of you, and I hope your love is everlasting. Dude, hell yeah. I like that. And that is the end of shoutouts, and it pretty much wraps up the end of season four, which has lasted forever. Oh, God, yeah. It is our longest season. We are now going to go on break. How many weeks exactly, and and when will we be back? It's a mystery. We will release some updates every now and again and kind of update you on what's going on. We will be back. It's not the end of us. No. So be prepared. We'll definitely be back. And uh, for some reason, if you can't get enough of us, just head over to our Patreon. We are still going to be releasing an episode every week for our Patreon listeners. Boom. All right. So with that being said, uh, I want to thank you all for joining us today. And again, thank you for your support. You are all amazing. Every, every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan, do you want to roll us out of season four? Oh, sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you are alone. Oh, hello. Season four is over. But don't you worry. Dan and Aaron are in safe hands. I have been making improvements to them. They love you and are proud of you.